Welcome to Third Tuesday Conversation, a monthly podcast that focuses on the ministry of faith formation with children, youth, and families in ELCA congregations. Our goal is to engage in conversations that strengthen and empower your ministry world. This podcast is produced by the ELCA Youth Ministry Network. I'm Adam Butler. I'm Danica Olson. And I'm Elizabeth Pedersen. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Third Tuesday Conversation. We are so excited to maybe have you back if you've taken a summer break. It feels like we are all back to school now that it's September. And we are so, so excited uh, today to have Kara Powell with us on the podcast. Welcome, Kara. Thanks. It's wonderful to be here with y'all. Looking forward to a good conversation. Oh, yes. So are we. So Kara, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with her, she is the Chief of Leadership Formation and Executive Director of the Fuller Youth Institute at Fuller Theological Seminary. She has written lots of books. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't read any of them, definitely go out and buy them. But she has one that she um, has recently been working on called Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. And we'll dive into that a little bit today. Um, and also, you know, talk about life and ministry. So um, we're so glad that you're here. And maybe, you know, I don't know. Let's see. Let's start with like, before we get into the book, like what's taking up your brain space right now? What are you working on? How's how's ministry and your work right now? Yeah, awesome. Glad you asked that question. Well, the first thing that came to mind when you asked what's taking up my brain space is our middle just went, our middle child just uh, flew to London earlier this week for a semester abroad. So yeah, it's our our first child to go abroad and I miss her already. In fact, she was still, she had just, she texted me and had gone through security at LAX at the airport and I was missing her already. So super Mm. excited for all God has for her, but definitely will miss her. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. In terms of ministry, though, if you want to talk about uh, the Fuller Youth Institute, two projects jump immediately uh, to the forefront for me. One is related to a grant that we received from the John Templeton Foundation looking at character and virtue development, where we're doing research. Uh, how can young people live a faith beyond youth group? based on Mm. good choices they make to love God and their neighbor, not just when they're with us 75 to 90 minutes a week, hopefully, um, but uh, but all seven days long. So that's a very exciting project. Um, And then the other very exciting project that uh, we're having wonderful dialogue with ELCA leaders about is the 10 by 10 collaboration, which is a a brand new, not yet public. So if you haven't heard about it, there's good reason you haven't heard about it because we haven't been public with it yet. Um, But it's a a brand new national collaboration that seeks to help faith matter more for 10 million teenagers in the next 10 years in the spirit of John 1010. And so we've been piloting training and resources with uh, about 20 denominations and 40 different youth ministry training organizations because we're saying, you know, given what's happening with young people, Maybe we should actually embody the unity that Jesus prays for in John 17. So um, both of those things are things we're you know working on, writing, kind mm. of in the laboratory, so to speak, and will be more public a year from now. Um, because that's how things work when you do a lot of research is we, we do a lot of research and then write it up and then it becomes public six to 12 months later. So that's some of what we're working yeah. on in the lab, so to speak. Cool. That's super cool. You heard cool. it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, breaking news. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Well, I'm super thankful for the research that you 
that you have been doing. And, um, you know, for the last couple of years on this podcast, we've been asking the question over and over, where do we go from here? Yeah. And from looking at um, this, the book that you have, the three big questions, um, it kind of seems like you're going to answer that question <laughs> for us. Um, pretty, de- pretty definitively. I don't yeah. think you're going to need to do any more podcasts. That's after good. I'm so glad. It's going to be our be a wrap. moment, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Series <laughs> finale. Boom. <laughs> we've been um, looking for a way out and now we've got it. Got it. <laughs> so just please, Kara, where do we go from here? Um, no, and, and uh, some of the research that you did as a part of the a part of this project. I'd love to dive into the, that yeah. a little bit. Like, what was that? And what do you, what'd you find? Yeah. And by the way, if it's not obvious to listeners, I was being super sarcastic as were you. <laughs> I just want to make sure like tone of voice doesn't always yeah. communicate. So I just want to make sure. If they've been here before, they know about okay. the dripping sarcasm. Okay. Of the three got of us. it. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm, I'm catching on. Thanks for that. So, um, well, you know, let me start with some data actually not done by the Full Youth Institute, but a survey done by Springtide Research Institute, where they looked at uh, 13 to 25-year-olds, a national sample, a year into the pandemic. I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is that in this sample of 13 to 25-year-olds, only 10% had heard from any faith leader in the first year of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That hurts. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for that groan. Yeah. Only 10% had heard from a Christian, an Islamic, a Jewish, a Mormon faith leader in the first year of the pandemic. That's, that's the bad news. Here's the good news is that in that same sample, 70% of those young people are more open to meaningful relationship right now. So we really feel like this is a divine window for us as adults to return to what matters most, which I would say is relational discipleship, because, you know, young people might not be showing up for your programs. They might not be showing up. Families might not be showing up to your weekend worship services, to your youth group. Confirmation numbers might be lower, et cetera. But young people, or I should say, and young people are still hungry for relationship. Mm -hmm. So then that makes me wonder, like, how do we have meaningful relationship with young people? And especially if we're getting less time with them, how do we make that time count? And that's where I think our three big questions research can be invaluable for leaders, for parents, for any mentor who really wants to have deep conversations with young people. Yeah. What I love about this is the is that we're we're thinking about this the same kind of thing in a different way that relationship hasn't gone away and the, and the need and the desire for relationship but the arenas where that's where that uh, those things are taking place yeah. have shifted in a way yeah. that uh, teenagers need places that are asking big questions and yeah. allowing them to explore in big ways and yeah. so I love that. This is because the the most successful places that we're seeing in in youth ministry are the ones that are are laying this foundation of big questions and and big big imaginations about what life is and and what what can be possible through relationships and community. 
Um, so I'm, I'm interested, uh, about the three questions that you've zeroed in on and yeah. what they mean and what you're seeing in, in how they're, they're being answered and utilized. Yeah. Well, and you know, Adam, as you were talking, I, I was reminded of a young person who told us during the course of our research, I'm tired of the church asking questions. I'm not asking. Yes. Mm, wow. Amen. I'm t- amen. Yeah. yeah. I'm not tired. just young people. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And you know, I mean, this is where young people are like the canary in the coal mine in a really good way to show us the future. And so, so let's go ahead and let's ask the questions that young people are, are asking. And so out of our research interviews, we did with dozens of young people, you know, extensive focus groups and surveys, we've identified these three questions and it's identity. Who am I? belonging, where do I fit, and purpose, what difference can I make? So identity, belonging, and purpose. Now, you know, for those of us over 30, which I I think is all four of us having this conversation, um, we ask those questions too, right? It's just that for us, those questions are more at a low simmer. For young people, for people who are in times of transition, those questions are at a rolling boil. And let me just say, as a parent and as a youth leader, when I when I look at young people through this lens of, are they seeking identity? Are they seeking belonging? Are they seeking purpose? Like the things that they do make sense because, <laughs> oh, the reason that, you know, they're so hungry uh, to get time with their friend is because they're really hungry for belonging. The reason that being volleyball captain means so much to him is because he's trying to get that sense of purpose, et cetera. And so it's just become this new grid to help me understand myself better and young people better and have those deeper conversations that again, young people are wanting these days. Mm, I love that. And like how, how transformative if the adults who are plugged into kids' lives already, grandparents, parents, coaches, maybe faith leaders, are attuned yeah. to the those specific questions so that they're being asked questions that they are asking themselves. Yeah. And like how quickly that deepens the conversation and the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for us to be aware ourselves as adults about how those are growth areas for us too. So, you know, just as like young people make more sense when I look at them through the lens of identity, belonging, and purpose, I make more sense when I look at myself through the lens of identity, belonging, and purpose. So like just getting super personal um, today on social media and, you know, there's so much good that happens through technology and it, it actually helps create a sense of identity, belonging and purpose in some great ways. And it can also, <laughs> you know, be toxic in all three of those categories. So today, a friend of mine who's actually another youth leader whose kids are 10 years older than mine. My kids are 21, 19 and 16. His kids are older, married. Many of them have kids uh, themselves. Like he posted on social media, I'm so glad my adult kids want to come over to our house over the weekend. And it was, you know, this picture of him with his adult kids and his wife. And like, like my first thought was, oh, that's so great. He gets that time with them. And, and then I plunged into insecurity myself as a mom, like, mm-hmm. oh, are my kids going to want that when they're older? And am I doing things that build that? Or gosh, I'm probably, you know, I'm too naggy with them. I'm on them to, you know, and, and like my mind goes into this identity negative spiral mm-hmm. where I often feel like I'm not enough. 
especially as a mom, like that's my real area of vulnerability. I don't struggle so much as a leader feeling struggle with identity, but like as a mom, that's where I struggle. And so like, you know, just within about 90 seconds, (laughs) I kind of did this spiral because of what I saw on social media. And so as I'm more aware of that, as I'm more experiencing Jesus's best answers for me, you know, I, I pray a handful of things for myself. And one of them, prayer number one, I prayed it this morning, is that I would know that Jesus makes me enough. Mm-hmm. Because when, I, when I'm when i aware of those questions, when I'm seeing those answers and, and leaning into Jesus's best answers, like that helps me. And that also helps me better build relationships with young people. So, so you're totally right. It's both how we view young people, but then also our own self-awareness and mindfulness mm-hmm. about our own growth. Which I like this. This is my, if you've been around a while, this is not new news. Like this is at the heart of ministry for me is that this is not about youth ministry. This is not about any like subset thing that we can pull apart, but this is like congregational, but also familial stuff. Yeah. And healthy families make healthy kids, but in order to have a healthy family, you have to have healthy people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like all of those things if we're not willing to know or dig into those questions about our own self and know our triggers just like you said around yeah. identity, purpose and belonging. Yeah. How how I mean, how do we even imagine trying to raise kids who can answer those questions? So all of that is a, a roundabout way to say the ch- the problem is not just in the church, just a youth group problem or yeah. a people of a certain age problem. Yeah, but it it's bigger than that. Can you say more? And maybe I mean, without giving too much of the book away, <laughs> we want people to read it. Can you speak into that? That like, how does being a leader through the big three questions? transform families and congregations as well as teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what comes to mind as you're talking is one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes where he says, think of me as a fellow patient in the same hospital who having arrived a little earlier could give some advice. Mm. And, you know, I think that's who we are. Those of us who work with young people and work with families, you know, we we're, we are patients in the same hospital. And we're experiencing the same healing that everybody else needs. You know, often we've arrived a little bit earlier and we can give some advice or some perspective. And so, you know, I think it's what, what Henry Nouwen calls being a wounded healer, Mm -hmm. that, that is the ultimate source of rich ministry and rich relationship. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I I think you're, you're absolutely right on that for me to disciple others, it starts with me being a disciple myself and being aware of who I am, my sin, God's work, God's ongoing work in me, God's redemption, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of ministry is Self-awareness and then empathy um, are two really big yes. foundations of ministry. Love that. So in the book, I know you dive into a little bit of what, uh, of how kids are, teenagers are at answering these que- these questions. Yeah. And I'm interested to know uh, what you've discovered about yeah. the answers to this question. Because I know we, 
you know, we're, we're interacting on a decently regular basis with, uh, with, uh, students, but this is relatively new stuff and, yeah. and it, and it'd be helpful probably to know how people are answering it. So we know how to navigate those conversations yeah. and those questions. Yeah. So you're absolutely right, Adam, for each of the three questions, we spent enough time with young people to unearth what are their current answers to those questions. And so, uh, you know, since I deal with identity, how about if we talk about identity a little bit, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, for young people, uh, there are two or three ways that they tend to define their identity. It tends to be defined by how others view them. So it's very much, you know, they're mirroring, they're responding to external voices, which differ one from each other. So that's part of what's challenging is who my family wants me to be and defines me is different than my friends, different than my teachers, different than my church, different than my boss, different than my basketball team, et cetera. And mm -hmm. so they young people often feel really torn among these different audiences who are defining them. So that's one thing. Second thing is young people often feel labeled. Um, they, they can feel labeled or overly defined by a learning disability they have, by a mental health challenge that they have, by any element of their social location becomes overly defining for them. And then thirdly, in large part, because those first two, young people feel inadequate, like they don't measure up. They're not pretty enough, popular enough, talented enough, smart enough, achieving enough, whatever it might be. And so, you know, as we spent time with young people, we were able to unearth these current answers. And then we took a step back and we track all this in the book. We took a step back and we said, okay, what is it that are, are better Jesus-centered answers or Christ answers? How do we move from current to Christ-centered answers? And so, you know, just looking at identity, that, that Christ-centered answer, that Jesus makes us more than enough. And how, how can we really embrace that? How can we lean into that? You know, I, I mentioned like, this is something that I pray for, for myself, for sure. Um, when it comes to young people, what we did in the book is we offered conversations and connections. Like, what do you say and what do you do, basically, to help young people experience? Yeah, exactly. We try. We're like, I'm a pragmatist. As much as I'm a researcher, I'm a pragmatist. Yes. And so how do we help young people? You know, how do we ask questions? There's over 300 questions in the book mm -hmm. to really make it a, a dialogue and not a lecture and then, you know, what are some creative learning activities that we can do? So it's really geared, you know, whether you're one-on-one -on -one mentoring, whether you're small grouping, I'm making up verbs here, but, you know, whether you're small grouping, whether it's a whole youth ministry wide, you can, you can structure your ministry. You can look at what you do through these lenses of identity, belonging, and purpose. That's so, that's so great. And I, I, I just think that, and, and maybe you can, maybe you can dive into this a little bit too, but. I just think that there's so much healing to mm. find in these questions and their answers. Yeah. I, I, as you're going through the answers to just one part of that, those questions, the world we live in right now, I'm, I'm like so conditioned to think of like the generational response to those answers is to be like, you know, suck it up or, you know, you know, work, work hard or yeah. you're, you're so, you're so babied these days or yeah. back, you know, and that's not necessarily a new thing, but I yeah. do kind of feel like the pandemic and maybe even just like the, the culture, especially politically, you know, but yeah. like just, just in general, it, the, there's like a heightened, like, 
uh, response to just like, you've got to be tougher. You got to be, mm. you have to live the, this way, or you can't mm-hmm. be, you can't be so weak and just kind of this like fake strength kind of, mm. and, and I, I, I'm wondering how these questions and, and act, and then actually hearing the answers to the questions and wondering about what that means about our young people. So many of them, our own sons and daughters and, uh, you know, uh, grandsons, granddaughters, whatever, how maybe even just like hearing those answers to those questions and actually hearing them and letting them sink in, maybe come a, a healing ministry of like, I don't know, maybe if we just like embrace the, the answers to these questions, there would be, yeah, there would be something more to all of this. I don't know that that probably didn't make any sense, but I just, I found myself as you were answering those questions, kind of going like, oh yeah, say that to somebody right now. And they're going to tell you like, I, I mean, who cares, you know, like yeah. you got to work hard and keep going and keep yeah. doing. And I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think, you know, as you were talking to Adam, I was thinking about um, how as a young person myself, I appreciated it when adults welcomed me into some of those struggles and how I see the same now. So, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't mean that we as adults should emotionally vomit all over young people. <laughs> um, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. But what I am talking about, like, like let's even, uh, you know, just getting super personal uh, again, I struggle with feeling inadequate as a mom. And now that my kids are older, like I've talked with them about that. And especially one of my kids who like, and I'll, I won't reveal the gender because I haven't asked my child permission to talk about this on this podcast, but one of my kids, like they do things that absolutely uh, trigger some of those feelings of insecurity for me as a mom. And so like in the midst of me realizing that I've, I've, I I'm learning to stop and say, okay, so it's not what you, my response is not your fault, but I just want you to know that what I'm struggling Mm. with is, you know, what you just said there, you absolutely have the right to say it. And it really makes me feel inadequate. And I'm tempted to like, push away from you to protect myself. And, you know, that now that my kids are 21, 19 and 16, like they can actually handle that kind of conversation where I'm, I need to make sure I'm not making my feelings their responsibility. So I have to be very careful about that. But for them to understand, like, especially one of my kids, like that kid just triggers me over and over again. And so like, I I've learned that when I narrate what happened, what, what is happening with that child, like both of our defenses come down mm. and we, we see each other as people mm. who are imperfect, um, growing and really need Jesus. And so, you know, I, I think the same can be true in ministry environments. Like mm-hmm. how do we welcome young people and their parents and our communities into our ongoing journey just like we want them to do with us. Right. So, so like, how do we have more mutuality, reciprocity and honesty leader to congregant? Mm -hmm. I find that to be so like, so spot on. I think so much of my interaction with parents is we've really failed at getting through confirmation. The pandemic was just so much for us or, you know, there's just, it's so it's filled with shame about not being enough or doing enough or, I mean, baptismal identity tells us something different, right? Like you already are enough. And, 
you are claimed and called. Yeah. Uh, but the worldview is, I mean, everything externally says you don't measure up. Yeah. You you didn't you didn't do it perfect. You didn't do it right. And so shame on you. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it's not just about teenagers measuring up to whatever, like you were talking about all the different um, adults or authority figures in their lives that they're um, basing their own identity on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we struggle with that too as adults yeah. um, that like we believe. And, and I say we, meaning someone comes to me as the youth director and says, we didn't do a good job of whatever we think your expectation of us is. Yeah. Please absolve us or, yeah. <laughs> you know, help lessen our shame. Yeah. Tell me from your research, was that sort of the the resounding piece or did you, were you just speaking to, to teenagers? Yeah, we did focus more on teenagers. So, okay. you know, that's kind of the heart of our research. Much of what I'm talking about from an adult perspective is is has been my application of it, sure. of it since. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, your point that I, I appreciate uh, what Brene Brown and others have distinguished the difference between guilt and shame. You know, mm-hmm. guilt is feeling bad for what we do. Shame is feeling bad for who we are. And, and I think, you know, when it comes to my theology of sin, and we might disagree on this among us, but, um, you know, I, I think we can do real damage if we overly focus on shame. And so especially with young people, you know, how do we help them understand their actions might be bad and they're fundamentally made in God's image. And yeah. so let's let's not be overly condemnatory about who we are. You know, existentially, let's focus on the actions and what Jesus has done for us in terms of reconciliation and new creation. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I I really appreciate what you said, the the phrase that you used at the beginning of this podcast, the relational discipleship. Yeah. I think it's so intriguing. And as we're talking about these questions and and what these questions lead us to and connected to like, I don't know if this is me or my age or my generation or the world we're living in now. Maybe it's research worthy, but I feel like I keep moving toward a ministry of of self-awareness, a ministry of empathy, a ministry of compassion. That's just where I'm finding myself now. And and have really been trying to navigate like what is ministry if this is where we're leading from and yeah. i don't know that you know i don't know that we've quite figured it out i mean it's it's been it's a, it's a it's a messy thing to navigate and yeah. maybe maybe generations before me have have walked the same thing or maybe it's a matter of the world we're living in today i don't know but i i really appreciate how these questions that that you're asking in this book lead us toward empathy and compassion and major self-awareness it, it can only lead you to self-awareness if you're really diving into it as an adult yeah and and that is our hope you know that that we can give tools that help us not only understand young people but help us understand parents better help us understand ourselves better etc i mean i think one of the interesting um, dynamics that we've seen with identity belonging and purpose is the questions heat up in times of transition 
So, you know, not only are young people in times of transition, but parents are in constant times of transition. Just when you think you figured out your kid, oh, they move, they're older, you know, and they go to, they go to a different grade, they go to a different school, they experience new challenges. And so, you know, I, I think identity belonging and purpose are just so important for us to keep in mind for ourselves and for those that we serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then refocusing our, ourselves on the fact that those are Christ centered things. Yeah. Right. That like, yeah. I think, and that's probably where the disconnect has happened in a lot of ways is that, you know, you start to tell teenagers, well, I'm going to, you know, these are, let's talk about Christ centered or Christ focused things. And they're like, I don't want to, don't want to do that. And and then you say, no, I'm, we're talking about who you are, like yeah. where you belong. Yeah. And, those, and, and, and then it's like, oh, those are, those are Christ focused. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'm more on board there. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. These very human con- conditions yes. and questions, like Jesus meets us in the middle of that. Yeah. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In such mm-hmm. a grace filled way to enter into Elizabeth, you just you use the word messy, which I think is kind of all where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> a graceful way to enter into the messy places that we all find ourselves in at varying stages of our lives. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, if I can add a thought for leaders, something that's been really encouraging as leaders have been reading our, our book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, is they're asking themselves, okay, which of these three questions is most important for the young people I'm closest to now? Again, whoever I'm mentoring, my small group, my youth ministry. And so, you know, one one wonderful youth leader, she realized that it was purpose that her young people really needed to experience. And so she went to them and she said, you know, I have been doing ministry to you and for you, and this youth ministry should be done with you and by you. Um, those are really important prepositional changes, right? I think preposition is the right grammatical term. So somebody will correct us if I'm off. Um, I know what I, you I'm mean. Old. Okay, great. Those are the right words. We'll just make it words and not worry about prepositions. I think it's prepositions. But anyway, um, and so what was I saying? Oh, yeah. And so she went to her students and said, like, I am going to really, you know, hand the keys over to you, which is another theme in our research. And so they stepped up, they took those keys and they started planning with her help Sunday mornings and midweek gatherings and service activities, et cetera. And they really got to the point where they felt like it was ministry done by them and with them to the point, I love this, that um, the, the church was having a business meeting and not only did the young people come, but they brought amendments with them that they wanted to suggest to the various agenda items, which I'm like, great that they felt such a part of this ministry. And so, you know, kudos to this youth leader for realizing what my kids most need is a sense of purpose. So in terms of like practical application, I would invite all of the listeners today to think about that, not just in their own life, what are they, they need to grow in, but is there one of these questions that's especially viable for our young people right now? And how do we turn the dial for that question? Brilliant. Well, you've successfully answered the last question that I was going to ask, which was, 
what say you to leaders today? Oh, good. Um, <laughs> great. So uh, before we go, I do want to say you know, we've been talking a lot of about identity and, and identity as a mother. And so for me personally, I heard you speak um, years ago and you shared about being a wall of love for your oh, kids. Yes. And that has been transformational for me as a mother. And so I just want to thank you for that. Um, and it has played a huge part in my own identity as a parent in a very positive way. So thank you, Kara. Mm. And thank you so much for this conversation. You bet. And Elizabeth, you and me both, that's the work of Lisa Damore, who talks about how do we be that wall of unconditional love so that when our kids push away, which is developmentally normal, Mm -hmm. when they push away, how can we be constant and be unconditional so that when they come back to us, we are still there. Um, and so, yeah, I, that has helped my own parenting too. So I'm so glad it's been helpful for yours. So, all right. I well, love it. thank yeah. you so much. Blessings. Thank you so much for a great yeah. conversation. So wonderful, Kara. If, if you need the name of the book again, uh, everybody should grab a copy and for themselves and then one for each person on their ministry team and their partner in life. (laughs) Love it. Three big questions that change every teenager. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so, so grateful um, to lean into the research that you've been a part of, and hopefully um, it'll be transformative for our young people and um, for our congregations and world. Indeed. May may it be so. All right. right. Thanks so much. Take care. Before we go, here are a few quick announcements and reminders. If you don't know, there's a ton of stuff for you to use on the network website and on Martin's List. There's lots of resources, training materials, and other pieces that can make your work easier. Be sure to visit the site and see what is available to you. The network has restructured its membership levels. All of the same resources that have been available for free in the past are still available, but at a new free basic membership level. And all the resources that were available at a paid membership level still are. For more information on the new structure, please go to elcaymnet.org slash membership. The Extravaganza planning team has been working hard as they prepare for the 2023 Extravaganza. They've identified four learning tracks. You can check those out and register now at elcaymnet.org slash ext23. Thanks to all of you who are members of the network. Your membership makes things like Third Tuesday Conversation, our mobile app and Connect Journal and Discipling Cohorts Initiative and the Extravaganza possible. If you are not a member of the network, we encourage you to join. We're grateful to be a community that cares for this ministry. Thanks so much for listening. New podcasts will be released on the third Tuesday of every month. Be sure to subscribe so you receive them as they come out and share with your friends. And finally, thanks to Paul Amlin, the 3TC producer, for his work. Have a fantastic week. Bye. 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 Bye.